0: Thank you for listening to the Pursuit Church podcast. This is more than a podcast. Pursuit Church is a movement to connect to Jesus and make a difference. If you need prayer or would like to financially support our mission, reach out to us online at PursuitChurchSA.com. Now grab your headphones and get ready to dive into this week's message. Come on, can we just thank God for filling us with His hunger the word says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. God's going to fill us today. I, I believe that you, you, you may be seated. Wow. What a, can we also just thank the worship team for leading us so well into the presence of God? Wow. Well, welcome to church. Man, what a way to get started. Uh, what, what a way just to be saturated in the spirit, man. That's what we want. That's what we want. Now, before we get started, on behalf of Pastor Karen, I want to console all of our Astro fans out there. Didn't, didn't quite work out this, this time for us, but I guess at least we have one Texas team in the World Series, right? So, come on. And now, she, she don't want anything to do with Dallas. Trust me, you don't want nothing to do with the Rangers, the Cowboys, everybody else. But, but for the rest of us, it, it's probably okay. It's probably all right that we, that we have a, another Texas team in the World Series. We'll let, we'll let the Rangers have one, all right? Next year, Astro's going to be back. Um, and I, and I know, you know, we kind of starting off talking about baseball, but come on now, we're in the middle of football season right now. They come on, it's, come on. Can I hear all my football fans? I, come on, we're right in the middle of it. We're, we're right in the middle of football season and it's a great time for football fans. Cause I'm sure, you know, if you're like me, you're kind of glued to that, that TV set. You got like 50 million football games. You can watch a week right now. I don't watch all of them. Pastor Karen probably thinks I try and watch all of them. But, you know, come on, football fans, this, this is our time of year. But here's the thing. Even if you're not a huge football fan, I'm going to guess that you have probably either went to a game in person or seen one on TV, right? At some point, even if you're not a huge football fan, I'm going maybe it was a Super Bowl party, whatever, right? At some point, you've seen a football game. Now, when you go or anyone goes to to a football game either in person or on TV there's lots of different reasons right so there may be some for the purpose their their purpose in watching the game is to be entertained right you, you want to see you want to see your team win or whatever maybe your purpose is just to show up for the food come on can can I get an AM on that some you some especially super bowl parties man it, it's all about the food and commercials the game is whatever your purpose is is to eat all the food you can watch the cool commercials Whatever. but there's a, So there's a lot of different purposes as to why we might watch a football game. But have you ever thought about this? What's the purpose for the players in the football game? What is their purpose? Their purpose is in one thing and one thing only, to win the game. That's why, that's why they show up. That's why they practice. That's why they do everything they do is to win the game. Now, some other purposes may be going on. Right? Some of them are earning a living by playing. Some of them are gaining notoriety. They're becoming famous. Okay? But at the end of the day, the primary purpose for them is still to win the game. Now, in order to win the game, though, they have to have a plan, right? Maybe you've heard of it. It's called a game plan. And during the week, the football players, coaches, I mean, they spend hours and days preparing a plan to accomplish the purpose. I mean, hours go into this. Coaches, players, there's a plan. Because here's the deal. The plan is the way to achieve the purpose. Right? That's how you're going to do it. The purpose is the why. The plan is the what. Is the how to. Right? What does any of that have to do with what we've been talking about this month? This thing called fear. Right? Well, here's what I've come to tell you today. When it comes to our plans and purposes for our life, we often have a fear of letting go. We have a fear of letting go. Because here's the thing. When God puts you on this planet, he planted in you certain purposes for your life. And when God created you, he envisioned certain plans for your life. But here's the problem. We can be stubborn. We can be prideful. We can want our own way instead of God's way. You see, we have a tendency to put our own purposes and our own plans ahead of God's. You know where you see this? You see it all through scripture, but think about in Exodus. Here God takes these people that had been enslaved for over 400 years in Egypt. And he he has a purpose and a plan for getting them out of that that slavery. He has a promised land he's trying to get them to. That's his purpose, right? But it doesn't take very long into the desert until the people's purposes trump God's purpose. They just want to say, why is this so hard? Why, wh- what's going on? I just want to be comfortable. I just, I just want to, in fact, at one point, Pastor Karen pointed this out in a sermon not too long ago. They actually wanted to go back. Come on, man. <laughs> they wanted to go back. They started putting their own purposes and their own plans ahead of God's. And we have a tendency to do the same thing. See, we have this fear, this reluctance to let go of our comfort, our independence, because guess what? We always want to think our way is best. And here's the deal. If you ask someone, what is the purpose of your life? Here's some answers you might hear. Maybe you've heard these answers. Well, I'm just here to be a good person and however it turns out, it turns out. Or I just want to make as much money as I can so that I can live a nice life, retire and just be good. Or some people like what they do. Maybe their job, their hobby so much. Maybe you've heard this term, man, I just love my job so much. I was born to do this. Has anyone ever heard that phrase? What they're saying is I'm just finding so much satisfaction right? In whatever it is. It could be their job, hobby, whatever. I I just feel like I was born to do this. We've heard that, right? Now, is there anything wrong with wanting to, uh, to be a nice person, a good person? Is there anything wrong with wanting to make money to support yourself? Is there anything wrong with enjoying what you do for a living? Absolutely not. However, there's always a but with God, isn't there? But if these things become the focus of your life, the primary purpose of your life, you could very easily miss and get distracted from the only purposes that really matter. And the only purposes that really matter are the purposes that God has for your life. That's it. Yeah, those are the only ones that actually last. Okay? Check out what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8. Verse 36, he said, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your soul? Your purpose is not tied to the status of your savings account. Your purpose is about your salvation and then learning to live like Jesus. That is the That's it. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't get all caught up. And these other purposes that you think are important in life because you know if you get too caught up in them, you very well could lose your soul. He was not pulling any punches. Now, in order to do that, though, I need to share with you a very important truth that you need to understand and get in your spirit if you are ever going to be able to do that. And that's this. There is no life without death. I'm going to say that again. There is no life without death. Wow. You see, in order to accomplish God's purposes, you're going to have to let some of yours die. Whew. It's a hard one. That's a hard one, isn't it? In order to let God's purposes live, you're going to have to let some of yours die. Our text today is going to be found in John chapter 12. Now, before we get to the text, I want to explain a little bit about what's going on in this chapter before the text we're going to deal with. Jesus had previously raised his friend Lazarus. Per- perhaps some of you are familiar with the story. If you're not, Lazarus was dead. It a, 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 says Jesus wept when he found out that Lazarus was dead. So I want you to know how close Jesus and Lazarus were. He wept. But Jesus didn't come right away to raise him from the dead. He said, it's going to be better that I wait. And we're going to find out why it was better that he waited later. But the bottom line is, this caused a lot of commotion in the time. What it did was, before this, Jesus had been randomly teaching, doing some miracles here and there. And and, and people had sort of heard about him. But the story that we're seeing in John chapter 12 is Jesus. This is after he had raised Lazarus and he is now on his way to Jerusalem and on his way. He stops to visit Lazarus and his two sisters. And many people had actually been eyewitnesses to Jesus raising Lazarus. And when that happened, everything changed because now Jesus really kind of wasn't in the shadows anymore. Yeah, he'd preach some things. There was actually no, this guy just got raised from the dead in front of a bunch of people. There, there was kind of really no turning back for Jesus at that point, to be honest with you. That was really a turning point. It said, the time is drawing short, okay? In fact, Jesus, when he was visiting, was on his way. To Jerusalem for the Passover. This would be the last Passover he would ever go to. Because just a few days after that, he would be crucified on a cross. So this is toward the end. Understand, this is toward the end of the life. Earthly life of Jesus. Because of what he had done, he, is, he had almost kind of gotten rock star status. right? I mean, literally, that's how, that's how famous he was starting to become and not only was he of interest to his own people the jewish people and some of his followers he started now to get the attention of other people one of the groups of people he got a, the attention of are some greek folks and this is where we pick up the text today it's john chapter 20 i'm sorry john chapter 12 starting in verse 20 and this is what it says now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some greeks It bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life. I'm sorry. Whoever loves his life. Loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world. Will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me. He must follow me. And where I am. There will my servant be also. And if anyone serves me. The father will honor him. Now look at this next line. Now is my soul. Troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this what purpose have I come? Wow, you see, Jesus had come to a pivotal moment regarding his purpose. And the scripture says it troubled him. If you're having some trouble letting go. Of your purposes and grabbing on to the purposes of God. You're in good company. You're in good company. You see, even though Jesus knew his mission. His purpose from the very beginning. He still had to make a choice. To let the father's purpose for his life prevail. He had to make that choice. You and I have to make that choice. He had to let go of the thought of worldly fame, of recognition, of an easier path, so that a much more important fruit could be produced. See, Jesus could have easily gone with the Greeks and said, okay, man, let me tell you, let me show you how great I am. Let me tell you how wise I am. He could have lived in that fame. He could have followed his own purpose. Chose not to do that. In fact, John 3.16 tells us clearly that God sent his son into the world To give us an opportunity for eternal life if we would just believe in Jesus. That was his purpose. Now what was the plan? The plan was that Jesus would have to die on a cross for our sins. And then three days later be raised up to give us new life. That was the plan. To achieve the purpose. Because you see, a good plan always has the purpose in mind. A good plan always has the purpose in mind. You see, Jesus' goal was to win and to fulfill the purpose that he came here for. He didn't stop short of the goal line. He finished his purpose. Jesus had a very specific purpose for his life here on earth. And then he lived out the plan to fulfill that purpose. My friends, God has sent you and I here with some very specific purposes as well. I want to share four purposes. That if you'll build your life on these four purposes. You will be fulfilling the purposes that God has for your life. So often I hear, what is God's will for me? What, come on, what does he want me to do? How, how does he want me to live? What is this? this is all tied to the will of God also. If you, if you want to know the will of God, look at the purposes for which he's created you. Then you'll know what God's will for your life is. Very simple. And I would, I would say that if we live out these four purposes, we will have done and fulfilled the life that God sent us here to live. First one. Pursue a relationship with God. That is, the num- that is numero uno. If you do nothing else, start with that. Start with that. You see, Jesus was, was once asked... What is the most important commandment of them all? And this is what he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, might, mind, and strength. That's the first one. If Jesus said that's the most important, I'm going to believe that's the most important. Right? But what does that look like? What does that look like to pursue a relationship with God? What's the plan for that? It starts with this. It starts with learning about God. My friends, this is how we learn about God right here. You don't learn about God just from a podcast. You don't learn about God from... I mean, can those things help and supplement? Absolutely. But my friends, this was given to us so we could learn about God. How can we possibly pursue a relationship with somebody that we don't know? This is how we learn to know God. It starts with this in our relationship with God. It's getting that word into us and then letting that word... Act as a light and guide for our life. That's step number one in the plan to learn about God, learn about what's in his word. Part of the plan is also prayer. Look, prayer is just simply talking to God, sharing your life with him, and then listening for his answer. That's it. (laughs) That's all prayer is. You're sharing your life with God. You're talking to him, and then you're listening for his answer. How do we hear his answer? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the power of the Holy Spirit may directly give us an answer, but guess what? God also gives us answers through people. Right? God may send somebody to you through the power of the Holy Spirit to share things with you. So the second part of the plan, if you want to pursue a relationship with God, is prayer. A third, and I think so important, and we we need to understand what it really means, though, for it to have the full effect. And that is worship. Now, worship is a huge part of building a relationship with God. And the reason why is this. You have to understand. We have to understand what is worship. Worship is simply this. Worship is when, is a special time, when we put God in his proper place in our life. That's what worship is. It's putting God in his proper place. What's his proper place? Creator, Father, Lord, King. When we worship, that, those are the things we're saying. God, I recognize you as my creator. I put you in the place as my father. I worship you. Because you are Lord and King. Worship is so powerful. It's not... Oh, please hear me. Worship is not just the feels. Can we get feels? Absolutely. Can You know, God gave us emotions. Nothing wrong with that. But don't ever misplace what the purpose of worship is. The purpose of worship is to put God in his rightful place in your life. That's how you build a relationship with God. One of the key elements. Let's talk about the next purpose you can count on that you're here on this planet for, and that's to love people. You see, when Jesus was asked that question, What's the most important he gave the, but then he followed up and he said, that, but there's another, there, there, there's one other I want to add on to that. It's the second most important because not first, but he said, love others as you would love yourself. In other words, what is he saying? Love people. Why did he say that? Well, it's pretty clear because God created you and I, not just to have relationship with him, but to have relationship with each other. You see, he created relationships among people. Anyone who says it's just me and God on an island is not reading the Bible. I'm sorry. It's not just me and God and that's all I need. No, that's not all you need. That may be all you need for salvation. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Jesus is the only way. And Okay, I'm, I'm, but you're not going to live a fruitful life. <laughs> you're not going to live a fruitful life on an island by yourself with God because he didn't design it that way. Not what he said, so when we talk about how to love others what 's the plan for that? I could go on and on, but let, let me concisely state a few things first of all, in our relationship there 's one very specific relationship that he talks about in his word, and that is the a marital relationship so I want to talk about that first very briefly. The plan or the picture of a marital relationship specifically is that the spouses are to show each other love the way that Jesus loves the church. That's the picture that's given in a marital relationship. Go look it up. It's in Ephesians. I'm going to sit here and go through it because I've got other things to get to. But, the, but, but that's one. he doesn't talk a lot about in, in the Bible, a lot of others. But, you know, there's a few Proverbs and stuff about children, and their parents and all. Yes, they're there. But but really, there's three main relationships that Jesus uh, and that the Bible talk about. One is that marital relationship. The second relationship is the church. In other words, amongst believers, what does that look like? Okay. And what he says there is that our love and the way we live out that in relationship is a recognition within the church is a recognition that first we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Once you accept Jesus, you're in the family. But that makes all of us family, (laughs) okay? So he talks a lot about loving others in the church. How do we do that? Well, first of all, the purpose of that, the purpose of loving those in the church is to help us all become more and more like Jesus. It's called discipleship. That's the purpose of love within the church and within believers. And as we love each other, as Jesus tells us to do, we begin to unite more and more around his purposes and not just our own. You see, Jesus said the world is going to know you. It's you and me once you're a believer. They're going to know you by the way you love each other. That's what Jesus said. So loving others... Within the church is important to Jesus. However, there's always another however. Jesus didn't just say to love those in the church or love those that you agree with, though. In fact, what he said was you're actually to love everyone. What does that look like? In fact, Jesus would once say, look, it's actually pretty easy to love people that you already agree with. He said, he, he said, actually, uh, non-believers do that already. Like they, you know, they kind of find people that believe like they do. Yeah, love it. I mean, they, they associate with them just fine. So that's not the trick with unbelievers. Jesus said the trick is you got to love them anyway. Now, how did Jesus love those that didn't agree with him? And believe me, there were a lot of people that did not agree with Jesus when he was here. Read the Bible. You, you want to you know? Most of the people actually didn't agree with him, to be honest with you. Most of them didn't. Now, did Jesus go on Facebook and start making rants? Did Jesus buy ad time and say, no? No, this is what Jesus did. And what you and I need to do when it comes to loving those that maybe we don't, don't agree with us. We speak the truth, but we do it in love. When the woman at the well, when Jesus encountered the woman at the well, he didn't compromise the truth. So he didn't say, oh, it's okay if you're just, you know, living with someone you're not married to. He didn't say that. But what he didn't do is condemn her either. Right? What he did was he invited her. Let me show you a new way to live. (laughs) Let me show you who I am. Let me show you a well that will never dry. He invited her. And you so when we come across people that we don't agree with, we love them just like Jesus did. We show them the love of Jesus, and then we invite them in and don't shut them out. That's the way we love people that we don't agree with or that don't agree with us. We show them love like Jesus did, and we invite them in and not shut them out. Now, of course, there's no guarantee when we do that that they're going to accept your message. Jesus was clear about that. He said, sometimes you literally have to dust your feet off and keep on moving. That's okay, because here's the thing. Remember this. You and I are not responsible to convince anyone. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. We're we're not here to convince anyone. We're here to share. We're here to share what Jesus has done in our life. We're here to share who he is. It ain't your job to convince him. And so you got to be okay. Okay. If they're not open yet to the Holy Spirit, to be convinced. We just, look, we love them, we, and we pray for them. We pray that someday they're going to let the Holy Spirit minister to them so that they can become part of the family. Come on. Tell you the third purpose that you're here for. I'm here for. And that is to connect to Jesus. You know, our main purpose may be starting with to pursue that relationship with God. But Jesus is the key to all of that. Jesus is the key to everything. In fact, in chapter 15, Jesus said, you cannot do anything without being connected to me. Nothing. There's nothing of significance. There's nothing in your life that you can do apart from Jesus. You and I, one of our most important purposes here. Is to connect with Jesus. And we need to stay connected to him. If we want to bear fruit in our life. If we want to bear fruit in our life. We need to stay connected. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3. He said he being Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. By him all things were created. Did you know that? Jesus was there in the creation. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things, oh, get this, all things are held together through Jesus. And he is the head of the body, the what? The church, anyone who says or thinks the church is not a necessary thing in this world has not read God's word yet. This is Jesus's church. We just get to participate in it. But never forget who's the head of this church. It's Jesus. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. That means most important. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's who Jesus is. You see, that's why he is the key to everything. You cannot live a fruitful life. You cannot live a purposeful life without connecting and staying connected to Jesus. What does it mean, though, to connect to Jesus? What's the plan for that? It starts with accepting what he has already done for you. That he died on that cross for your sins. That he rose on that third day so that you could have eternal life. That is called salvation. That's all salvation means. It's a churchy word, but it just means you accept what Jesus has done for you. That's the first point, that's the first point in place where you connect with him. Believing and receiving the gift of eternal life that Jesus accomplished when he died on that cross is the center point of your connection to him. Then, step by step, day by day, you learn to live out this new life in Christ. That's called discipleship, (laughs) right? You stay connected to Jesus by continuing to rely upon him for your hope, for your guidance, and for your direction. You ask the Father in his name for what you need and for the strength and patience and perseverance to live the life that he died to give you from a place of victory, even when you might be in a battle. That's what it means to stay connected to Jesus. You remember that Jesus has already won the war. He's actually already won it, right? And that, yeah, can we clap for that, that Jesus actually already won? I don't care what battle you're going through. I care, but God cares more. But the important thing... Is that whatever battle you're in, Jesus has already won the war. And what does that do? That gives us peace, right? It gives us hope. I want to give you one last thing that you can guarantee is part of the purpose for your life. And that is this to make a difference. To make a difference. That is part of your purpose here on this earth. Now, let me ask you this. When you hear the phrase to make a difference, what comes to your mind? Is it leaving a legacy? Is it leaving something better than you found it? Uh, Maybe for you, it means that you've touched somebody's life. All of those are great. All of those are great. But I think really what scripturally it means and and what I want to share with you, what we're really saying is we want to live a life of significance, When we say we want to make a difference, that's really, I think, at our heart what we're saying is we want to know that our life matters. We want to know that our life counts. We want to know that making a difference is part of the reason and purpose why we're here. Now, I'm just going to say this straight up. No holds barred. The road to significance, the way to make a difference, is through serving. Flat out. That's it. Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. Jesus is clear over and over and over again. If you want to make a difference in this world, learn to serve. Service, my friends, is what leads to significance. And that is one of the purposes why you and I were created. You know, earlier, if you notice in that passage that we read from John 12... Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, it's going to require you serving. And when you do that, then he said, the father is going to honor your service. You see how important service is in your purpose? That's what Jesus said. That's powerful. That is so powerful. If you want to make a difference in this life, in this world, and in God's kingdom, you can do that by living a life of service. You see, God planned for you long ago. Ephesians 2.10 tells us your purposes and plans, he, he already had laid out for you before you ever got here. But you know what it doesn't say in God's word? Nowhere does it say that we make a difference by focusing on just our own needs. The Bible doesn't say anywhere that we make a difference because of how talented we are or how much money we make or how many vacations we go on. That's not. And those are not the things that will make a difference. None of those things make a difference in the long run. You see, Jesus could have easily gone off on his own when he was approached by those Greeks. It was a pivotal moment. He could have sought an easier way. He could have sought his own purpose. But what did he choose to do instead? He chose to serve He gave the ultimate service to you and I by dying on that cross. That's the ultimate act of service. Serve God and serve others, my friends. You know, the church is a great place to learn how to serve. It's one of of the greatest purposes of the church. Is it provides us a place to live out this purpose. It provides us a place to live out the purpose of serving God and serving others. Right here in Pursuit Church, we have beautiful kiddos over there right now that would love some of you to go serve them, love them, be with them. We've got other opportunities. Hey, listen, let me challenge you. Find a place to live out that purpose in your life right here. We, you want to serve? I guarantee we've got a place for you to serve. Guaranteed. Terry, over there, our connections director, uh, putting her on the hot seat. But let me tell you what, if you ever, if you want to serve, first of all, you can fill out a connect card, drop, there's a place on it that says, I want to serve. You can write on there where you want to serve, drop it off, but you can you talk to Terry. Hey, my, my challenge to us, my challenge to us is this, I want to challenge everybody in this church to serve somewhere, somewhere. Once a month, it could be at a food pantry, whatever, we have so many opportunities but that's the most one of the most beautiful things about the church is it provides us an opportunity to live out that part of our purpose. Really, all part, all four. But that last one is a very unique. And here's the thing: can you make a difference by serving at the United Way? Sure, absolutely. C- can you make a difference by going to a, a foreign country and do it? Sure. But here's the thing: I want you to understand. Those are never to be substitutes we serving in God's house because it's very clear in God's word that the primary place that we are to use our gifts is within his church. Now, it doesn't say the only place, so don't mishear me. But the primary place where to use those gifts and your gift was given to you, by the way, not for you, it was actually given to you to bless somebody else and serve somebody else. That's the reason you have gifts placed in you. Do you get some benefit from it? Gosh, I hope so. But that's not the reason God gave it to you. God gave you gifts to serve others. And his church is the very best place for you to do that. Don't miss that part of your purpose. Look, I know we all have thoughts and dreams about our purposes here on earth. But with all my heart, I'm asking you right now, if any of those purposes don't line up with the four things we just said, let them go. Let them go. Because there's nothing you will do in your life, no purpose you will ever fulfill that is any more important than the four things we just said today. That's God's purpose for your life. These are God's purposes. For your life. Will you pray with me? Oh Lord. God we come before you now. We're so thankful. For the purposes that you have placed in us. And the plans that you prepared. Long before we ever got here. To live out that purpose. God help us let go of any purpose. That we're afraid to let go of. Any purpose that seeks our way. Instead of yours. So that we can live in and experience your plan and your purposes for our lives. Jesus, thank you for serving us by dying on that cross to pay for our sins. Now let us serve you for all the days of our life. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.